Welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangater. I'm a certified coach and the author of the book Holding the Fort Abroad. In this podcast, I interview men and women who live abroad and have traveling partners so that we can all benefit from their wisdom and experience. I also invite relationship experts to apply their expertise to this topic. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Verway. We met through a mutual friend and colleague. Elizabeth has founded many businesses. She's a mentor and an author. She founded growatyourpace.com, where you can find transformational courses. She's also the founder of Spoken Lives, where women share. She will tell us a little bit more about what she's doing now. And Elizabeth has kindly agreed to share with us what it's like to travel for business when you are a mum and what she did that worked. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for the invite. Thank you so much for being here. When uh, Lydia Lee introduced us and we started talking, I immediately thought I would love to hear what Elizabeth has to say about this topic. It's very real for a lot of people. And your mom of two children, right? They're grown up now. Yes. And two grandchildren at this Oh, point. really? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So you did this for real, right? You've traveled for businesses, for work, um, yes. and you were raising children at the same time. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what, uh, you know, how you developed relationships with the children, what worked, what maybe didn't. But before we dive into that, can you just tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now? Because I think that my listeners would be interested in hearing some of the, the work that you're, you're you're doing now and what you or some of the resources you're you're offering. Absolutely. Well, right now I'm wrapped up in writing a book and the working title is Till Death Do Us Part. And it's about people supporting their exes when they get sick or when they're in need. And I've interviewed 20 people so far, all in different countries. And I'm looking to interview 50 people for this book. And I have a survey. They can go to elizabethverway.com and that'll be in the show notes. I'm doing a survey just to see what you think you would do. Because what you think you will do and what you actually do when the time arises may be different. So I'm trying to uh, ascertain what that looks like. Wow. What an interesting research project. So it's so the surveys for people to go into and it's people who have an ex, people who have an ex and what they would think, what they think they might do. Yes. The 20 interviews that I've done are extraordinary stories and they're love stories. And the completion that comes in a relationship even after you've been divorced for decades, is just notable. It's it's uh, life-changing for people. Wow. You must be hearing some amazing stories of people. I, I'm really, really looking forward to reading that. Is that coming out probably next year or? <laughs> no, it's, it's really, I'm looking uh, for a publisher at this okay. point, and I would prefer to uh, use a publisher for this mm-hmm. book. Okay. But this is not the only project you're working on, right? No. <laughs> I juggle a few. I uh, love my spoken lives. That's a women's speaker series. And it's uh, been so successful. I had other licensees until the pandemic. And then, of course, I was the only one who went online. But what I did during the pandemic was write a three-part course 
called Your Applause Academy. And people can learn how to plan a speaker series and launch it and make money with it. Like a speaker series, what do you mean? Well, uh, any topic or hobby or, uh, I mean, mine is women sharing stories of transformation, of resilience. And, uh, you know, there's speaker series on all sorts of special interest topics. And it's incredible. I mean, we are inspired by other people's stories. So it's showing people how they can explain their topic or their expertise and share it with other people. Yeah. So how they can plan an event how they can launch it, and how they can make money with it. I got it. Okay, okay, sorry. Ah, okay. And that's on, is that on growatyourpace.com? Yes, it is. So you have your own spoken lives that you run, and then you teach people how to run events. Yes, yeah. Okay. But it's it's an online course, so it's easily, you know, accessible. Okay. And uh, And then I have been for the last 25 years mentoring business owners and I continue to do that but that's really by referral you know business but if anybody on this podcast is interested they could look at officementors.com okay okay so when you were traveling or as we seamlessly move on to the topic of today so when you were traveling were you working for a company or did you have your own company well, I was growing a charity to the national level. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, Canada is quite large. So sometimes I'd be away for five days at a time. And it was it was interesting. I mean, all the different ages and stages and what uh, different things I had to do uh, to make it comfortable for the children mm-hmm. and uh, comfortable for me. Who do you want to hear about first? <laughs> I don't know. Did you, did, were you at peace when you traveled or was it always a little bit of a tug? Oh my goodness. The first time it was absolutely agonizing. Um, and then I realized when I came back and the children weren't broken, <laughs> that it was, it was fine for all of us really. And I had to relax. So I found that for me, I would get to, you know, a hotel room, actually, at the beginning, I, I used hotel rooms, and I would buy flowers locally and, and make the room nice and have it as my little getaway. And even though I was working long hours and very busy, when I came home, it was absolutely peaceful in the hotel room. And I enjoyed that for two or three nights, you know, evenings, uh, watching TV. I mean, that was a luxury because we didn't watch TV at home and, you know, all that sort of thing. And then about day three, I would start to really ache, but we touched base every day. I would leave actually when the children were little, say under a year, I would leave recorded messages that my Uh, then husband would play for them whenever they were feeling a little lonely to hear mom's voice. And as they got older, we turned that into I'd record reading a book with them and have them on my lap. And then he could just put them on, on his lap and play the recording and turn the page at the same time. And then that grew into them actually just we had a whole library of those. And the child would grab the book, he would queue up the recording and then the child could just read the book along with me you know and I'd say turn the page and take time to turn the page slowly so that a child could turn the page but that gave them great comfort to hear my voice and uh, 
Then at night, of course, um, I always wore a nightgown a couple of nights before I left and then put it over their pillow so that when they woke up, they had mum's smell close by and or a blanket or, you know, something that had mum's smell so that they felt a little better waking up in the night. Right. Wow. So, I mean, they're older now, right? What do they say about those days? Do they do they mention it or is it not even an issue? I don't think it's an issue because the things we talk about, it doesn't come up, you know, when, when they, uh, I worked at home, which of course back then wasn't really as common. They probably didn't know any friends that worked at home. So my uh, one child has mentioned that she felt I was always in meetings <laughs> because, you know, in my office, but I know that wasn't real, but you know how children remember. Yeah. As they grew older, I used sticky notes. Of course, they were a new, a newer invention then. And I would put sticky notes in strategic locations. You know, I love you and hearts. And it was simple. Just dash a few off the night before I left and put them in an underwear drawer or uh, under a pillow or in a lunchbox. And, you know, that uh, made them feel good. And actually, I have a, a sweet story as my son got older I put the sticky notes in his um, lunch boxes often, um, maybe little jokes or something like that too. And one day I was in his room, you know, tidying up and I shut the bedroom door, which was never shut. And there were a ton of the sticky notes uh, behind his door and he was 16. <laughs> My word. So he kept them. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. It just shows yeah. what's important, right? When you mention yeah. like, yeah. you know, sometimes we can be home and yet the kids are like, where are you? You know, I need you. Oh, no, 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 you're not present. You know, yes. or you don't feel yeah. present. Whereas actually yeah. with everything you were doing in terms of you, what you talked about, you felt present. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know, when you were gone, they felt like you were around and you, your voice was there, your smell was there you probably knew what was going on as well, right? Oh, I don't know. They had a whole different life when dad was in charge. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, yeah, that's how it goes. It's yeah. normal. You know, there's one rhythm when they're both parents are home and then there's another rhythm when one of the parents is away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think they can adjust to that, right? They know very well. Yes. Yeah. It's very well. Yeah. And now, you know, technology has made it so much easier you know the reliability of something like FaceTime or or Zoom but the technology is always improving and so you know I'd recommend I thought about like now what I would do and I do a lot of this with my grandchildren because they're in different cities so we will eat the same meal like we'll get Chinese food and eat together even though the time zones are a little bit different we'll they're not different enough that it's a, a <laughs> pain, but just eating together over Zoom makes it feel like a family meal or you can mm -hmm. play word games or tell stories. We have a story uh, we call switch. And so I'll start the story. And then when a little bit of time has passed, I'll say switch. And then the child picks up the story and then back and forth and back and forth, mm -hmm. you know, or I'll read them a picture book, the little one. And, you know, when 
the lockdowns were on, my um, one child needed to work at home, but his child was home. So it was really tricky. So sometimes he'd say, well, I'm just going to check my email and I'd read her a story and then play a few games and, you know, that sort of thing. And then we'd just talk. Sometimes she'd actually take the iPad. She'd go under her bed and put the iPad just there. So we had this private kind of fort feeling to our visit. And she'd tell me all these secrets, you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you knew what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) That's it with children, right? (laughs) That's sweet. She would feel so secret in in her little space under her bed, you know. Mm. So um, technology has given us so much that way, you know. Mm. And I think the recordings, actually, uh, my dad recorded hours and hours and hours of story of Paddington uh, Bear and um, Pooh Bear and my kids listened to him every night so grandpa was always around so with a parent it works very well as well I think for for there to be that that relationship so overall like you left when they were pretty young and you were traveling throughout the years so overall as you look back now you can see you, you have a relationship with your kids Oh, I have a strong relationship, but I was only away for five days at a time, right? It wasn't uh, as long as a lot of women have to travel. Yeah. But I mean, you spend time before and after. If you focus time is focused time, right? If you spend focused time before the trip and, and when you get home, if you block that off, then of course it, um, it stays with them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're, their moms. <laughs> there's, there's no choice. They're stuck with us. <laughs> no one's going to replace you as a mom. That is the strongest bond. That is the, no, the st- no. strong bond. I want to say one thing because my father traveled quite a bit mm. when I was young and he used to, this might be a, a good uh, tip for a mom. Now I, I didn't think about it at the time, but he used to travel extensively and he used to bring me back a little mouse figurine from each trip and he'd bring back a story he'd say you know I got to the hotel and they wanted me to go for a meeting but I said to them no I have to go and find this mouse you know I looked high and low and I went up this street and I went down this street and I said to people I need a mouse figurine and and so I found this one and I brought it home, you know, and as an adult, I can look back and think, gosh, I wonder if he bought them all in Toronto or if his um, secretary had a mouse figurine collection she wanted to get rid of. Right. Like, what is the scoop? And of course, he's, he's gone now, so I don't know. But they had sweet little boxes and uh, with you know, these big fancy stories. And I just felt like he just thought about me the whole trip. That's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, that's beautiful. It makes you feel special, right? That they that, that you're a important part of their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my partner was in on rotating shifts. So I think that our whole family life maybe was more fluid than a lot of people's. Um, you know, he'd come home from midnight shift at six in the morning and, and we'd go off and bowl and with the kids and then he'd go to sleep for the day and the kids and I would go and do some other activity. So there was flexibility maybe in there that's maybe necessary to make it work, huh? Yeah. 
but by working at home, working at home, I was able to, you know, see them off in mm -hmm. the morning. And uh, sometimes they were coming home at lunch uh, in high school mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And I could stop for a few minutes. And then after school, we always, <laughs> I still have after school snack. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's something that, you know, people who maybe are moms who are traveling longer, maybe that's, something they can put towards their employer and say, listen, can I, you know, can I work from home? That's part, you know, remote working now is so big. I think that can definitely be an argument to say, well, now I can work from home. When I come back from a trip, maybe if it's possible, I go into the office a couple of days and then work from home a couple of days, that rebalances it a little bit more. But how did you, like, how did you not like collapse? Because you're traveling, you're working long hours. You're also giving specific attention to your family. It's like it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, I found that um, like back in the day, I, I used uh, B&Bs when I really uh, felt like I needed some nurturing because often in the B&Bs, people were taking care of you. And even today with Airbnb, it feels like home rather than the sterile uh, hotel room. But, you know, I guess I, I was pretty good about putting buffers in, um, you know, blocking off time either before I left or when I got back to just kind of rebalance, uh, you know, I, I think I, I like to think I have pretty healthy boundaries. Like that's actually something we didn't touch on, mm -hmm. but I'd like to touch on is um, some women seem to, I don't know if they accept it, but they don't, change it that they come home to a real chaotic messy home right so I would um you know the first time that that happened I said to my husband like you can't do this I can't come home to this you have to figure it out I don't know what it is and so sometimes he would have a tidy up time with the kids where everybody would get the house in order and sometimes he'd hire the cleaning person that we used every two weeks to come in for an yeah. extra yeah. Uh, clean and any which way I'd say like you are responsible when I come home it has to be a functioning yeah. Yeah. home home and I take over while you go back to work because we I would often travel on right. his days off um, if I could manage it when they were really young, right? So you're saying you wouldn't, you didn't take on the whole house maintenance while you're away and while you're home. That's right. For the whole time, all the time, like a lot of us do. We, you know, I'm trying to shift it too, but it's like, wait, why is it up to me to? So you, you wouldn't prepare the trip by putting meals in the freezer and. No. No, I did. I did make sure groceries were there because I felt that that was fair. Um, leave them with the tools that they needed. But I didn't prepare frozen meals or anything like that. I'm sure they had some frozen meal yeah. dinners that they bought at the grocery store or, you know, went to McDonald's or whatever. But he he's a good cook. Actually, he might even be a better cook than I am. And um so he he did take care yeah. of the food for sure and and you know coming home yeah. to a time so maybe that's place. it huh? it's not taking on mm -hmm. the whole lot and the travel and the you know the work and the kids the relationship with the kids and then on top of that trying to shoulder the whole house chores at the same time that would be a lot yes 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to take time to train your partner. Yeah. Well, also, well, I mean, I, I know men who are much better at house management uh, than some than some of us. <clears throat> Not naming any names here between you and me, but it would be me. Um, but the house usually functions better when he's on his own and I'm the one traveling in this instance. But I think, you know, even just discussing it between the two of you and saying, okay, well, you know, let's get someone in. Let's get it done. I'm not as a traveling mom, I'm not the one that's going to take it on, on all no. on my shoulders. I think that's really good advice. What about when they got older teenagers? Because I, I've I've spoken to moms where their teenager is, is in another country. Um, the teenager might be struggling. They might be feeling guilty. <laughs> what would you say to that? Like when they're older, I know you mentioned the sticky notes and that obviously had a huge impact showing mm-hmm. that you cared, I suppose, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when they get older, I mean, hopefully they're able to express their feelings and talk about what they're going through. Um, but I know, you know, when my kids went off to university, you know, it was hard when they wouldn't call, you'd think, well, are they having such a great time <laughs> that they are not thinking of calling or are they not feeling well? And that's why they're calling it. A mom always worries. I, I think um, we were lucky that we could go and visit regularly, and um, we would always take them grocery shopping so that when we left, you know, we had paid for the groceries. And they had a good stocked grocery. I, I'll never forget one time one child we arrived and they said, "Oh, there's a sale on chickpeas, canned chickpeas, and can we go and buy a case?" And I thought I'd buy you five cases, you know, like whatever. So we went and bought a case of these chickpeas and and uh, did some other groceries. But I thought they knew what to do with them. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Again, you have to take time for training. I I think my children, when they turned 12, they had to make a meal a week. And um, it didn't matter. I told them it, it could be a vegetable uh, you know, a meat, a starch, like it, they had to figure it out. So I'll never forget one time, the second child first meal, she made hot dogs, corn on the cob, and the bun, right? And, nice. and I thought, okay, technically, that's a vegetable. <laughs> and sort of meat and a starch. Okay, I've got to get more specific. <laughs> But it evolved, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And they became more independent. They both left for university being able to cook meals and uh, got many kudos for it, you know. So how did you train them? Well, by asking them for help in the kitchen and that sort of thing, you know. uh, Yeah, it's just showing them. By involving them and showing them. uh, I'm divorced now and and my boyfriend's children are younger. And um, I've taught, I taught, them I mean the the youngest is going off uh to university and so but the daughter the older one said to me like I I learned how to cook at your place like helping you and uh you know you just let them do the stirring you might show them how to cut up some garlic or you know smash some garlic that sort of thing but I gave her a couple of gnocchi and a couple of easy um university meals and yeah. um, she was just thrilled to have those. 
That's great. When I asked, when I said you the advanced questions, I I asked you like, was there a difference with the different ages? And you were like, well, for the mom or for the children? And so we've covered the children a bit, but what about the mom? I, it didn't even occur to me to ask that question. Like, is it different for a mom traveling at different ages of her age? That's why I asked the question because when I was traveling when I was younger, I found I got some unwanted attention from men and I got many kind offers <laughs> and I let them down easy. Uh, and I would tell them that a friend is, was coming over, you know, because they'd see me eating dinner alone and ask if I wanted to go to the bar or whatever. And, and I'd say, no, I had a cousin coming over or a friend coming over and, and then go back to my room. And, um, but one time is a re- remarkable story. I was in this small community and I was opening a storefront and I uh, went out to make some evening uh, pitches to the, I forget if it was Rotary or Kiwanis, one of the great service clubs. And there were a hundred construction workers staying at the best place in this small town. And so I walked in at, you know, probably 930 at night and I'm walking down to my ho- uh, down to my room and the guys have got all the um, doors open between the rooms with cases of beer and, you know, and they they're all rigged up to and to shout back and forth. And of course, they're just silence follows me like as I go by they're like just silence follows. And uh, I got into my room and I, you know, put a chair up under the. <laughs> Under the doorknob, I was feeling very vulnerable. Yeah. So and in the morning, I kind of chuckled to myself because I did have a bit of a restless night. And in the morning, I ate breakfast with 100 construction workers who were very sweet and very respectful. But I it was just a lot of men for one woman. I was the only woman. How interesting. See, that's why I wanted to read to, to interview you because you've done this and there are aspects of it that I that I hadn't that I wouldn't have thought of. So it's very interesting. So your children are older. You have a, you said you have a strong relationship with them. What do you think was the biggest or was what's the most important thing you did? Or that that was the most important thing for the relationship, do you think, that made it, that makes it strong? Respect and kindness. I had on the bulletin board in our kitchen, I had a, I can't remember everything it said, but we had family rules, you know, respect for one another was one of them. But I think, honestly, I have witnessed parents being very sarcastic to their children. And then when their children are sarcastic to them, they are baffled. They just get so upset. And I think, oh my goodness, you don't, see this like put the mirror up (laughs) like look at how you talk to your children so I think that that's really something people have to look at um one time I mean when I would prepare dinner um or if my husband prepared dinner the children were often sitting at they we had a little kitchen table and they'd sit there and talk to us and talk about their day and that sort of thing and Um, It was always amazing to me how they would just kind of like honing pigeons (laughs) come in when food was being prepared. But that was a time that I 
slowed down or, you know, whoever was cooking dinner was static and you could talk to them. And that's probably how the children got involved in the meal. But um, I'll have to say one time uh, we had a big kitchen renovation that took six weeks and it went like clockwork. It was fantastic. But we had the kitchen in the living room and I think we washed dishes in the uh, bathroom upstairs. But the children were like, you're never, you know, kind of that feeling that I was never available because the the normal kitchen, there was nowhere to sit for them, but the, the flow wasn't there. And I probably had done a lot of freezer meals so that I was more microwaving than cooking because I didn't have a stove. I had a hot plate, but I had I didn't have an oven or anything. So I think that that's an interesting thing. Like where in your house do you gather where you just have time, you know, make that place. If it's games, if you have a games night, we, we often had a Friday night that we would play a game and uh, board games and the kids really liked that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's having that space where you're available, where they can then talk and be themselves and they know that you're going to be there at that time I think that's maybe for a traveling parent that's maybe the space they're missing but that's maybe the space to look for yes you can have it when you're home you know that right uh, Friday night whatever or a weeknight yeah. you know I know that um, one other thing as they came into teenage years we were trying to do Sunday night dinners it was not consistent but what I did was I tacked on a really nice dessert and we'd have a family meeting over that dessert. And so that sort of tempted them. And on my fridge, I would have a, a, you know, family meeting agenda, just a blank piece of paper. And then anybody who wanted to add anything could add it. And then when the family meeting came, if there was nothing on the agenda, I might put a few things in it. We had to go around the table and say, one nice thing, you know, like, thank you for picking up after me or thank you for driving me to whatever, Mm -hmm. then we could start in on the things we needed to resolve, right? Because again, Mm -hmm. that whole respect and showing people that you could talk about both things over dessert. And it, it was a cozy time. Often we didn't leave after dessert was finished. We'd just sit there and talk and they'd ask about mm. things and, you know, that's the thing. Open communication, I, I think, will solve so many teenage issues. You know, a, a lot of my friends, they they didn't want to talk to their kids about sex. And, and I'd say to them, well, what... <laughs> Did you get very much from the schoolyard talk about sex? You know, (laughs) get them a book, you know, like there's great books for kids uh, to learn things. And, you know, it's it's really important that we're available because if we're not available, they'll turn to Google or, you know, other other resources, other places, other things. Yes. Thank you so much. The time's already flown. I cannot believe it. Do you want to add anything? Yes, I just had a sudden thought also driving them places. Mm. Like I know kids now put in the headphones and I I would just say, you know, this is a time when we can talk because of, you know, they were using different technology. But I'd initiate conversations because if you're both facing forward, 
<laughs> it feels a little bit less threatening, although you can see them in the rear view mirror and they don't usually think about that. And also when they were teenagers, we did night walks when they wanted to be out at night, but it wasn't safe for them to be out with friends. I would at 11 o'clock say, do you want to go out for a walk? And we would just walk around or we're in a very dense city. We would walk around and they would feel like they were getting a little of the nightlife mm. and we'd see, you know, we'd get to a hill where you could see the downtown core and, you know, that sort of thing. And they felt like it was a real adventure. Mm. And sometimes they'd even take my hand, you know, and it was always so touching because in the daytime, they certainly wouldn't take my hand. <laughs> Yeah. And those are important for moms who are away that when they come back, they make time for that. And sometimes I, you know, to 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 set some sort of ritual or something that maybe they when they come back or before they leave or to have those moments where they then it's it's for those um, finding the moments where our teens talk. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just trying different things to see when they talk. And sometimes on Zoom, it doesn't really work that well it's hard to I think it's those um impromptu moments um that work the best but it is true I thinking to us it's it's often around certain moments of the day uh you know bedtime or um food um maybe that is something to think about too you know we we find when we sit down together we're talking and so whether my husband is home because he's usually the one who travels or not. We still try to keep that format. Yeah. And if he's away and he can, he's on a screen and he can at least participate in the conversation. But because it's the same format that carries through when he's away and when he's home, it kind of gives that continuity. And the family meetings as well. That's a great, um, I know Stephen Covey from the the principles of right. efficient people. Is that the, the name of the book? <laughs> um he has those raising self-reliant children in a self-indulgent world was the book that i used uh religiously and uh you know he he gave some oh wait no stephen covey that wasn't it was another stephen was it yeah i'll look it up i'll put yeah. it in the show notes yeah. great but i'll put all your links in the show notes how people can contact you Thank you so much for sharing about your experience. And I think it's encouraging, you know, for the moms who are living it now, who have young children at home uh, to know that, you know, they're not alone. They're not crazy. Yeah. That if they put a few th things in place, that it's feasible. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much. Sure. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to speak with you today. 